Well, I have to say the message that we had, or the sermon that we had last week, by far, so far in the entire series, is the one that I like the most. Um, only because it gave me new insight about the Holy Spirit. And if you're wondering what was talked about last week, we're still in our series Into His Likeness. I started this back in June, but because I'm not here every Sabbath, it's uh, taken us this long to get through it. But I don't know about you, but for me, when uh, I pray about sermons, they're not just for you, but they're also for me, uh, for me to grow and learn something new. And I am convinced that the purpose of life is really to walk with Jesus so we can be transformed into his likeness and that you and I are made in the Trinity model of mind, body, and spirit and that if we uh, have stillness in our life, then we can have our mind be still so that way we can know God, right? I'm just going to go through this as quick as I can. And then if your mind is to walk with God like Enoch was, then you will experience salvation. And once again, set your mind on things above so your life reflects Christ-like attitude on earth. Then from mind, on week six, we started talking about the physical nature of our body, right? Jesus was able to go around doing good because he was physically healthy to serve. So you and I have a responsibility to live healthy lives so we can serve our family and we could live for our family and serve others as well, right? Um, that's a lesson that you can get from Daniel's story. We should have a message on Daniel just on how he lived a healthy life to serve others. Staying on the physical aspect of our, of our bodies, God's expectations for you physically re-energizes you to love others. Isn't that an oxymoron? When we work, we tend to get tired. But when we do God's work, we become even more inspired to do his work furthermore. And then last week, we left the physical part of our body and we went into the spirit part, right? And what we learned last week, this message was called Power in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit convinces our spirit. Remember that word that we looked at in the Greek? We studied that word convinces. It can be translated as convicted or to uh, inspire or to invoke, right? The Holy Spirit convinces our spirit through our emotions to love Him more. So today... We're going to look at how the Holy Spirit not only convinces our heart to love Jesus more, but we're also going to see how the Holy Spirit helps us understand truth. Truth. So we're going to go to our key text here shortly. In our key text, we're going to, leave, uh, we're going to start where we left off last week in John chapter 16. So you can turn your Bibles with me there now. But uh, as we think about truth, the question I have to ask is this, what is truth? What is truth? Because truth, in many cases today, in our society, in our life, has become subjective. But I cannot agree with that. I don't think truth is subjective in, in most cases. To illustrate this point, and this is where the children's story would have been had we had more children, um, Obed, would you like to help me out? Obed, look at this. Can you help me out? 
I need you to hold this up. Is that okay? Can you stand right here? Or what are you, what are you doing, sir? You are a climber, aren't you? Do you, li- do you like jum- jungle gyms? Yeah? Okay, just hold this jar up for everyone to see. Really high. And if it gets heavy, you let me know, okay? Um, here's what I want you to do right now. You're going to take out your phones. Um, you, I don't think you've ever heard, had a pastor tell you to take out your phone during church, right? But go ahead and take out your phone. And then go to your text message, all right? Who are you texting? You're going to text me. If you don't have my number saved in your phone, here's my phone number. It's 303-990. I guess you can put it down for a second, and I'll tell you how to put it up, okay? Uh, 303-990-7640. I'll say that again. It's 303-990-7640. There was a professor in a university that did this exercise with his students, and I thought I'd do it with you guys in regard to truth, Okay? So what you're going to text me in a little while, in a few seconds here, is how many, this is candy corn. This candy corn is seasonal. How many candy corn do you think is in the jar? Text it to me. Okay, and if you, if you are closest to the number, I'll give you this jar of candy corn. Okay, all right? So... <laughs> So, so text it to me. Tell me how many uh, candy corn you think are, uh, are in this jar. Thank you, uh, Obed. You can, you can put it down. Here are some answers that we're getting. 516. Uh, that, that's a good number. It's a good guess, but a little too much. Um, this one said 42. Okay. Uh, 450, 280. And then let's see another one. Let's see. Uh, 200. Oh, whose phone number ends in 3857? Okay, that's Naomi. And then 545, 100. Okay, uh, here's the other thing I want you to text me now, is what is your favorite song? What is your favorite song? It can be of all time if you want, or favorite song right now. Um... In, the, in this seasonal month of fall, okay. Obed, how many do you think are in there? How many candies do you think are in there? How many do you count? Do you think it's 20? Yeah, do you think it's more than 20? Okay, what's your favorite song? Can I read some of the favorite songs? Uh, I mean, if you're embarrassed, I, won't, I don't have to mention your name. I can just say the song, okay? Oh, Wow. Wow, that, this is cool. Uh, by the way, I'm, uh, I'm, use, I'm having you use your phone as a test on some other things that we'll do in the future. So I want to see how this works. Okay, uh, this person said Brahms Requiem. Huh. Yeah. I'm not familiar with it, so I'm going to have to look it up. Turn your eyes on, upon Jesus. I like that one. That's a good one. Yes. Okay. Um, I just got another one. Four Seasons. Is that a band? Or that's a, that's a song? Oh, yeah. Okay, Four Seasons. That's a good one. Nearer, Still Nearer. I like that. Child of God. Yeah, you guys have some good taste. 
don't look back. Amazing grace. One of our callers or someone from Zoom wrote down amazing grace. Thank you. Uh, His robes for mine. Oh, I love that. Crown him with many crowns. Awesome. And then now let's go back to the candy. All right. Who came nearest? Because a lot of you, if you said over 155, you went clearly over. So I think, yeah, this is 155 in this jar. Yeah. So, so, oh, oh, you know what I should have said? Thank you, Obed. May I borrow it, please? Thank you. I should have said that there's like larger candy corn in here, pumpkin shaped, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they'll nest together. But, you know, just for the sake of this exercise, let's see who won. Um, 280 is too high. 450 is too high. 450 is too high. Someone said 100. So far, they're the closest. 516 is too high. 102. Okay, right now that's the closest. 42. (laughs) All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, without... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't establish the rules. So, because many of y'all went over, honestly, the closest, we have 100, given by Nathan, and 102 by Kevin. So, Kevin, here you go. You came closest to 155. I have lunch now. (laughs) You're going to bounce off the wall. Yeah, that's including everything. 155 in there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I took my surgical gloves, and then I counted it on a plate, so it was sanitized and everything. You know, I worked in a hospital, so... <laughs> so oh, okay. Okay, so there's 155 candies in that jar. Obed, thank you so much for your help. You can go back to your seat. So why did I do this exercise with you? There's two questions I asked you. The first question is, how many candies are in that jar and your favorite song. So let's talk about the favorite song first. Who has it correct? Should the favorite song be Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, or should it be Requiem? Brahm Requiem. Yes, both. Why can, can I not say that a favorite song should be this one song and that only song? It's subjective, right? It's very subjective. But yet, that's true for you. Since we're talking about what is truth, because because of your upbringing, because of what you have experienced in life, because of where you are currently at life, you have that as your favorite song. Right? That is your favorite song. Now, let's talk about the jar. The jar is very specific in size and in weight. But most of all, with how many candies are in there. It's 155 candies. We can argue uh, how many candies are in there, just like how all of y'all sent your, your guesses. We can go ahead and, and say it's 200. We can say it's 50. But absolute truth of it is that there is what? 155. So when I ask the question, what is truth? Well, is it subjective, like music or is it something 
that is tangible, that can be counted, or in God's case, counted on. That it can be counted on. It's important that we think about this word truth because that's going to be the main word that we're looking at today. John 16, 13, this is the verse that we left off uh, from last week, is that, but when he, remember, Jesus is the one speaking. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said, but when he, the spirit of truth, this is the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So what does this tell us about the Holy Spirit? Jesus has called the, the Holy Spirit many different names, right? Last week in our, um, in our previous sermon, he called the, the Holy Spirit the counselor, right? Or the advocate. And now he calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. And what is the other way that the Holy Spirit can empower you? Last week I asked you that question on how the Holy Spirit empowers us based off of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit who will give you power. Then you shall go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Wait for that power. That power comes from the Holy Spirit. Last week, we established that the Holy Spirit empowers us through our convictions, through our emotions. Today, He empowers us. We learn today that He also empowers us with truth, guiding us, guiding us into all truth. And that's important. Because one of the things that you and I know as Christians is that how did creation start or what happened at the time of creation? A lie. A lie casted doubt in Adam and Eve's mind, right? A lie that caused doubt for them to to think that God does not know what he's talking about. To cast doubt that God really does not mean for you to eat uh, from that tree, So what did Adam and Eve do because of that lie? Because of that lie, they partook of the forbidden fruit. Because truth was tarnished. In essence, the main problem with that lie is not about the forbidden fruit. It's about whether you can trust God or not. What is, in essence then, what was on trial that day. It was not the forbidden fruit, but more so God's character. God's character is in question. If you turn your Bibles with me, keep your finger here to John 16, but quickly turn your Bible with me to Job, to the book of Job. It is so difficult. I never realized how important my middle finger is in turning pages. So, Job chapter 1. I should have just had it highlighted already. In Job chapter 1, we'll go to verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, 
from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless. All right, listen to the affirmation that God gives of Job. He is blameless and upright. And not only is he blameless and upright, he is also a man who fears God and shuns evil. Like he does not walk in evil. He does not do wicked things. This man, Job, is a real man of character and integrity. And here is Satan's response. In verse 9, he says, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge? What's a hedge? Like a, like a fence, like a, a protection, a, 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 force, um, a force field that you can't see if you like Star Wars, right? There's force fields that you can't see. It, it says here, have you not put a hedge around him? Have you not protected him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. As you might know, the word Satan, that name in translation means accuser. What is he accusing God of? Satan, a created being by God, is accusing God of being unfair. You buy people's love. That's why they follow you. See, for all centuries, since the existence of when we were created, God's character has always been in question by Satan. And that's what he does. He deceives So through countless generations, he's deceived so many people to tell them that you can't trust God. God only favors your brother because he's because he has everything that he's asked for. God has 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 bribed him. That person is healthier than you because, well, finish that sentence. Do you understand? Are you following me on this one? Is that The lie that Satan has told tarnishes God's character. And that's the truth that the Holy Spirit is to guide us with, to guide us into having a good, uh, an understanding of who God really is. I love this when it says, but when he, the spirit of truth, coming back to John 16, 13, when he comes, he will guide you into all truths about God, about salvation, about how you fit in the grand scheme of things. In 2015, Bobby and I went to Washington, D.C. We spent a week in our uh, capital, in the capital of our country. And we went to go from one, we, we traveled from one monument to another monument. We went to Uh, Arlington Cemetery, I think that was our first stop. And then from Arlington Cemetery, we went to the other monuments, Washington Monument and Abraham Lincoln's Monument, and then several others I can't remember right now. And then we went to Mount Vernon, the estate of George Washington. And then the last stop we had was Monticello. Monticello was Thomas Jefferson's 
estate. And I loved his study. If you ever have a chance to go to Washington, D.C. and visit Maryland and Virginia, go see Monticello. He, uh, Thomas Jefferson has all of these inventions that he made, and it's still there in, in his uh, study. You can actually see it. But what I appreciated about this this tour of Washington, D.C. and the surrounding area is that in every stop we went to, we had a tour guide. And why is the tour guide important? Because the tour guide is going to tell us the story of those monuments, to tell us of what happened, right? Now, mind you, you're hoping that you have a tour guide that's very educated on the topic, right? Because if they're not educated, then they can easily tell you something that isn't true. But we don't have the problem with that with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is more than just a tour guide. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is leading you to know more about who God is. To further talk about this point, we need to go to another verse in John. Or not verse, but another chapter. Let's go to John chapter 3. And there's going to be verse, several verses that we're going to take a look at here. But in this uh, chapter, this chapter is very important. I, I don't know if you've ever taken the time to read John chapter 3, but I love John chapter 3 because in this chapter, you see the true workings of God, right? So it says here, in his meeting with Nicodemus, Jesus says the phrase, I tell you the truth three times. I tell you the truth is how he starts each part, every point that he makes to Nicodemus, he starts it with, I tell you the truth. Now, is this something that, you know, I had a professor in, in Southwestern, Dr. Sorky, who used to say, if I tell you something more than once, it's not that I'm repeating myself, it's that I am emphasizing a point. So when Jesus says, I tell you the truth to Nicodemus three times, he's trying to emphasize a point that Nicodemus needs to understand. The same point that, he's ma- that I'm going to make right now that you and I need to understand. The first truth that Jesus talks about, or Jesus says, in, is in John chapter 3, verse 3. So let's go ahead and take a look at it. It says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So what's his, uh, what is he responding to? Well, Nicodemus, who came to him at night... Some theologians believe that he came to him at night because he was ashamed to be seen with Jesus, while some others say that that was the only time that he could meet with Jesus. It's neither here or there, but what we do know here is that Nicodemus approaches him and says, Rabbi, in respect, he says, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracles, miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. And then Jesus responds and says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So what was Nicodemus' response to that? Did he just nod his head and accept and say, yes, I understand that. Thank you for telling me. No, it confused him. He was so confused that he responded asking Jesus, how can a man be born again when he is old? 
So the second truth that Jesus brings up is in John 3, verse 5. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Let's take a moment to really let that sink in. No one can come to the Father. No one can come to the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of the water and the Spirit. Both are needed. Now, I don't know if you recognize something here. What is water? Are you able to touch and feel water? Yes. To some degree, you can even taste it, right? When does water taste best? When you're absolutely thirsty, right? (laughs) After a long uh, day's work in the garden under the hot sun, and then finally when you drink that water, it's going to taste good. It's going to be refreshing. Okay, so you and I established that you can actually touch water, you can taste water, you can see water, you can feel water. You use water to take a shower in, to bathe. You use water to to cook with. You use water to, to grow your plants. You use water to clean your car and everything else. Water is tangible. It's something that we can feel. How about the spirit? How about the spirit? I see Nathan shake his head. No. What about no? You can't see it, right? You can't feel it. You can't touch the Spirit. If I, if I can have you take a look in John chapter 3. Okay. In John chapter 3, verse 5. Actually, let's go to verse 7. It says, You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. If you're following me here, water is physical, spirit is something that cannot be seen, just like the wind. Just like the wind. Since we're talking about being transformed into Jesus' likeness, since you and I are made in the Trinity model of mind, body, spirit, here is a proven fact just in the first two verses alone, we already see mind, body, and spirit. Further emphasizing the point that we truly are made in the Trinity model. And we can't ignore any of that. Right? So now Jesus says, to see the kingdom of God, to be, to be with God, you and I have to be baptized in water and born of the Spirit. That's what it means. When, it, when Jesus says in verse 5, he says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water. That's baptism. Now, baptism is important because it is your outward expression of your love of Jesus, that you have decided to follow Jesus, so you want to be baptized. So you can express that love and tell other people that I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. That's a physical, it's a physical promise that you are making that others can see. 
So it's a physical transformation, and then it's also a spiritual transformation. What does it mean to be baptized by the Spirit? What does it mean to be born again of the Spirit? Well, let's keep on reading here. Let's keep on reading. I left in verse 7, so let's go to verse 9. Nicodemus is just so confused. He said, how can this be? I'm still not understanding this. So in verse 10, Jesus says, you are Israel's teacher. How can you not understand these things? You and I are talking about the word truth. That truth is very important. Look at this scenario. Look at this situation in this story here. That even a teacher of the Bible in Nicodemus is confused on spiritual things. And why? Because truth at that point was trampled on. And so Jesus is having to re-educate this very teacher. He's having to re-educate Nicodemus. He tells him, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, which is the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So here's what I love about the third point, the third truth that Jesus is talking about, or that, uh, yeah, that Jesus is educating Nicodemus on. To be baptized into the Spirit means that you have seen Jesus because Jesus is lifted up. When Jesus is lifted up, when Jesus is lifted up in the church, when Jesus is lifted up in the family, in the home setting, when Jesus is lifted up in your life, then that is when you recognize and feel the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is lifted up in your life, it means that you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you now say, I love Jesus, and therefore I follow Jesus. And what did we learn last week about emotions? That the Holy Spirit can touch and communicate with us through our emotions. That's what we read in John chapter 16, verse 7, that that he convicts our guilt, right? He convicts our guilt. So he can also convict our love for Jesus, making us want to love Jesus even more. So when Jesus is lifted up in your life, you love Jesus even more, and when you love Jesus uh, even more, then you want to follow Jesus. You want to live in truth and you want to live in the light. That part is in the closing statement that Jesus makes. He says in verse verse, uh, 19, verse 19, he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth, there's that word again, whoever lives by the truth comes into light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. 
we're talking about truth here. We're talking about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to convict our hearts, but also to guide us in all truth about God. What we read earlier in the book of Job is that God's character has always been in trial or on trial. But what we see here in the book of John chapter 3 is that God truly is a God who loves. God is love. That's what we see in John chapter 3. That's the lesson that Jesus gives to Nicodemus. He's changing his mindset, or not he's changing his mindset, he's teaching him so that his mindset may may be changed about who God really is, so he can truly see who God is in his life. God is love. And the verse I did not read there intentionally until now is John 3.16, for God so loved the world, what? That he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Not only is God love, but that God also loves you. That's the truth that we find in John chapter 3. That God is love, that God loves you, not because he bribes you to, to make you love him, but because, of a, but because he created you, he loves you. And the third and last point that I'm going to make here is that in John chapter 3, we also see that salvation only comes through who? Jesus. Salvation only comes through Jesus. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. So, what's the main point of this sermon? Why is this message so important for us today? Kind of like the children's story or the activity that we did today. There's two ways to look at truth. Subjectively or objectively. I asked you, what is your favorite song? To you, that truth is true. Someone said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Someone said, uh, what is that song, Jim? Brahms' Requiem? I need to look that up. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to confess. I don't know the song. To you, that's true, right? But all of that is subjective. And that's what's happening in our world today. Everyone has a different perspective on the way they should live their life or how they should live their life. Everyone, if you're on one side, on the right side, or the Republican side, or the Democrat side, or on the left side, you have to believe a certain way, you've got to do a certain thing. But do you know what? There's Christians who should be in the middle, setting the tone for both groups. Now, I'm using everything in in general terms, because if you get down into the nitty-gritty, a lot of people are struggling with truth. Maybe their identity. There was a time when I grew up, and what I'm going to say right now is a very sensitive topic, but I'm going to say it nonetheless. There was a time when I grew up, there was only two genders, right? Male and female. But now one of the things that we hear out there is that I think now they're at 147 genders. Now I am not pointing my fingers 
at anyone or anything. If, any, if anything, if anyone walked in here right now who is struggling with that thought of how many genders there are, I say we welcome them. I say we love them. We worship with them. And we walk on that journey with them. Right? But the Bible is clear. If we do subscribe that there is an objective truth, I do believe the Bible is a very objective truth. It's like the jar. It's not the songs. For those that were not here, I asked the church family how many candies are in that jar. That's absolute truth. There's no lie about it. There's 155 pieces of candy corn in that jar. I'm using that as an example of how our society right now is lost and they don't, we don't know what truth is. That's why I encourage you and I as a church family to turn our eyes upon Jesus and to read the good book because that's where we will find the truth. John 3 is a reminder for each and every one of us that God is a wonderful God that God is a God of love, that God loves you, and that salvation comes through Jesus. And for all the world's problems, I still believe it to this day. We can find the answers in here. Anything that you struggle with, it might not be anything that's related to politics. It might just be something on what should I do for college? Who, uh, I need to pray about this on my child um, thinking of marrying this person. Or maybe you're looking for a job, or maybe you're, you're sick and you're wanting to find answers. The truth is in the Bible. And what I love about this, and maybe we end the thought with this, in John chapter 14, sorry, it's taking me a long time to turn my Bible. John 14 Since we're talking about truth, Jesus himself said this in verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. And what I love about the key text that we studied earlier this morning it all, it all comes together. It all comes together. But when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He's speaking about Jesus being that truth. You see how everything is connected in the book of John? Jot these notes down. John 16 talks about the Holy Spirit guiding us in truth. John chapter 3, Jesus is educating Nicodemus that truth is important, right? That salvation only comes from Jesus. And now John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus is the one that says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. If your life has a lot of questions and you're seeking answers and you want truthful answers, go to Jesus. Let's pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you 
for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your guidance. In this day and age that we live in, we need truth now more than ever. Maybe our life is in disarray. Watching the news, listening to what's going on around our world. There's just so much chaos. There's lies being said about one party to another party, about one side to another side. We're so divided, O Lord, because the truth sometimes can't be heard, is sometimes frowned upon. And so I think what I'm really praying for, Lord, is to give us the courage to stand up for the truth that we find in Scripture. I also pray, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit, as mentioned in John 16, 13, may guide us in this truth so we know how to live our lives, so that we know how to do what is right. Do what is right, not just for our sake, but most of all, for the sake of our brothers and sisters, for our community, and that we may most of all glorify your name through the actions and the way we live our lives. Bless us this day, and may we remember this lesson, that your truth will set us free, and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. May we have that relationship with him. May we seek that relationship with him. May we love him just as much as he loves us. In your name, in his name, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.